Every health system leader has executive management challenges facing their organization. This show supports leaders in addressing those challenges with cutting-edge information, leading strategies, and sharing best practices. Listen in and gain keen insight as industry leaders share their stories. The Baldridge Foundation welcomes you to Leader Dialogue Radio. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Leader Dialogue, brought to you by the Malcolm Baldridge Foundation and our sponsor, About Healthcare. I'm Dr. Chuck Peck, and as always, I'm honored to be here with some friends of mine, Ben Sawyer and Darren Versillo. Darren and Ben are executives at About Healthcare. It's good to be back with you guys again, as always, and I'm really excited about today's podcast. The topic is achieving systemness, analyzing gaps and opportunities in today's environment. And I'm particularly excited because of of our special guest today, uh, who I've gotten to know uh, over the last four to five months very well, and that's uh, Dr. Conrad Vial. Uh, Dr. Vial is Sutter Health's Senior Vice President and Chief Clinical Officer. He's a practicing cardiothoracic surgeon who has held various leadership roles in multi-specialty medical group practice and integrated healthcare delivery. Dr. Vial received his bachelor's degree and medical doctorate from Stanford. He earned a Master of Philosophy at Cambridge University in England, while also completing a postdoc fellowship in transplant immunology. He conducted his general surgical and cardiothoracic surgical training at Stanford University Medical Center, and he's board certified in both general surgery and cardiothoracic surgery. So, Conrad, it's great to have you here, and uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with us today. Chuck, I appreciate being invited. It's always good to be amongst friends and to discuss uh, what I think we'll all agree are pretty important issues in this time or any time. For sure. Absolutely. So uh, let me start off with a question, Conrad, and, and then we can see where this goes. But, you know, as the nation's health systems emerge from COVID, many gaps and opportunities for improving care um, are becoming evident. Um, I know I've, I have clients who are thinking that they're just going to go back to the way it was before, um, which I would call at this point the old normal. Um, but we also work with, with folks like yourself who believe that um, the old normal is just not going to cut it and that we need to be looking at doing things differently and moving into what I guess I'd call a new normal. So I'm curious you know, what are systems like Sutter Health, a very, very large health system in California that I'm sure everybody on, on the podcast is aware of? What are you doing to identify some of these opportunities? What gaps and opportunities in care have you already identified? And do you have examples of some new care models that you're either thinking about or already implementing? Yeah, you, uh, you kind of captured the moment, I think, in, in many ways in that, in that question, Chuck. You know, to, to take your question sort of in, in order, I would say that the, the first thing that we, like I, I hope most healthcare systems and the system writ large, you know, system with a capital S, I hope what we're doing is really adjusting our, our, our perceptions, our projections, and our attitudes around where we are uh, in terms of that spectrum of old normal versus new normal that you just laid out. I think the pandemic, and I, you know, I'm, I'm quite aware I'm not the only one who has observed this. The pandemic has done um, a few things that perhaps are, are unique in, in terms of, of impacting or, or, or changing 
perceptions uh, around healthcare, but but I think for the most part, what the pandemic has done is, has been a catalyst. It's it's been an accelerant. It's been something that has forced us to take on board and start to implement around ideas that I think existed for good reasons before the pandemic. I think from the perspective of integrated healthcare delivery systems, the themes that I think the pandemic has really forced us to confront and and that I hope we'll continue to confront and and drive uh, towards towards positive change around are themes like what is the difference between size and scale? What is the difference between assets defined in physical terms and human factors that underlie resilience and, and, and truly scalable compassion? And, and what is the difference between where value is created in, in healthcare in, in, in the new normal versus the old normal? What I mean by that is, I, I think in, in many respects, we have looked at healthcare systems as, as delivering value primarily through their physical assets, uh, their, their infrastructure, their, their venues of care delivery, their tools and technologies. And, and certainly those continue to be important, but I think what I'm, what I'm seeing in the pandemic is, is a recontextualization of the importance of those factors. In many ways, those are secondary. For the good of patients and their caregiving teams, I think the new normal will be uh, one in which we acknowledge that really our ability to raise insight, our ability to make insight be actionable and meaningful in the pursuit of, of sustaining well-being where people are well um, and restoring well-being where people are ill is really the competitive differentiator. And, and for good reason. I, I think we ought to actually celebrate that. It's going to be a bumpy transition. It already has been. Mm-hmm. But I think getting away from this idea that your physical assets define your ability to generate value and talking more in terms of those physical assets and, frankly, intangible assets as, as tools and merely tools in the ability to raise actionable insight that pertains to the well-being of either individuals or populations, that's where we need to be going. And that's where the pandemic is pushing us. And that is not something that we shouldn't be um, not only cognizant of, but frankly, celebrating. Yeah, that, those are those are some great thoughts, Conrad. And actually, um, it takes me to another question that I was thinking about as you were talking. I think um, all of us on the on the podcast here agree with your analysis of uh, physical or tangible assets versus a lot of intangible assets that um, maybe we haven't thought much about uh, over the years, way, way, way prior to COVID, as you were talking about, and. You know, one of the things I was wondering about is um, whether you're looking at, uh, as example of this, different kinds of partnerships with physicians or vendors to enhance the effectiveness of your care models uh, and the efficiency of your care models. In other words, instead of using all the available capital that you may have to build more buildings, so to speak, whether you see uh, much more value in, in things like partnerships, maybe some things that we haven't done before, um, that we weren't innovative enough in healthcare to think of before, um, things that are more intangible in that regard that bring that much, more, much more value to the people who are taking care of us, the doctors, nurses, et cetera, but also to the patients we're caring for. Yeah, I, I, that's an important theme. To unpack it a little bit, I, I think it's interesting to think a little bit about the journey of of 
tech versus healthcare. And I, I don't mean to make the comparison be too strict or too close a one, because obviously there are very, very important differences. But the journey of tech has been one of moving from products to systems, to solutions, to platforms. And when you think about the journey of healthcare, both industry development and, 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 and the craft, as well as the science and, and art, if you will, we've, we're, we're still sort of celebrating when we can put together, quote, systems instead of mere products. And, and I don't think the healthcare analogs necessarily to solutions and platforms have been built out and coordinated or integrated in the way that they could have. And, and I think that's a real opportunity for us. It's been an opportunity for a while, but it's one we really can't turn our back on now because of, again, what I think the pandemic has, has brought to us. You hear a lot appropriately, I think. Uh, we've been hearing a lot about it, certainly since 2011, about the transition or the pivot from so-called volume to value. I'd like to suggest that we ought to reframe that much more along the lines of, of the pivot from, quote, production or the analogs of production to performance. Performance is a bigger category than production. It, it involves production, but it involves production set up against categories that I think are even more compelling and ultimately more important for the end user and the consumer of whatever we're, we're offering. And in that regard, I think that we need to recognize that the, the economics of healthcare are such that fee-for-service is not going to go away anytime soon, that, that fee-for-risk will increasingly become important, and that that transition is going to be or continue to be uh, a more protracted and a messier one than any of us would like, but that's reality. I think talking about value is somehow only assignable or attributable to fee-for-risk arrangements um, misunderstands the point. I think we are going to, because of the economic realities that are currently with us and going to continue to be with us, pandemic or no pandemic, we're going to continue to, to need to recognize value as something that we create irrespective of the avenue of, of revenue intake, irrespective of the particular book or sub-book of business that we look at, and frankly, irrespective of the clinical channels of care delivery. Because without that, I, I don't think we will get, we will make the transition as gracefully uh, as, as we otherwise could. From our perspective, that means trying to, through population healthcare capabilities um, and, and related toolkits, make it actionable and satisfying and, and accessible to practicing clinicians, to clinical decision makers, to, to practice with, with a value-driven mindset, irrespective of whether they happen to be taking care of patients in a fee-for-service arrangement or, or a fee-for-risk for arrangement. Um, that means locating the sensitivity to performance factors and not just production factors as close to the practicing clinician as you possibly can. And every system and every culture will have a different set of guardrails from a regulatory perspective and, a, and an industry perspective, as well as from a clinical strategic perspective uh, around how to do that in their particular marketplaces and in their particular system. But that general theme, I think, is and needs to be one that we're all focused on. Darren, I, you know, I, I, I know that you probably have a lot of questions for, uh, for Conrad. Um, you know, I think that if, if one looked at about healthcare, didn't know anything about it, they would probably classify it as a 
as a, an IT company, so to speak. And I know that you have you must have some thoughts about what uh, what Conrad just which just talked about in terms of that it, it's much more than that. So um, please go ahead. No, certainly, and and um, this is my first time meeting uh, meeting Conrad on this podcast, so it's great to uh, make your acquaintance. We've actually um, likewise. Yes, um, you know, uh, with About Healthcare, formerly Central Logic, um, we've had a history of working with Sutter for many years. You mentioned 2011. I think that's roughly when we started working with your transfer centers um, across the organization. And, you know, Sutter's a, a broad and diverse system with its roots and mergers and many different cultures bringing together across uh, the north of California there. And it's been, it's been uh, wonderful to watch that um, ongoing transition through the years that we've done work there um, and seeing those cultures coming together. You know, we've talked about this idea of systemness. And uh, I wonder if you would you'd comment, uh, Conrad, as to the ongoing journey that Sutter has had to create systemness across those different cultures and those different organizations that were brought together. And maybe from the perspective of um, physician culture um, as well as uh, with your work in administration, um, how the uh, the different business aspects of Sutter come together and support each other, as opposed to working in silos. How do you how do you create? What's the journey to create that system? And how has the pandemic also catalyzed, to use your word, catalyzed that ongoing transition? Yeah, you know, you 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 point to a destination that. You know, I don't want to speak for other systems around the country, point to a, a noble destination. And it is one that we are still, um, you know, working our way towards. I, I can't say that we're there. We have to we have to be we have to be honest and we have to be humble that 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 this is um, it's a difficult and, and complex endeavor. healthcare. I mean, mm-hmm. and we are unfolding our efforts in, in trying to take care of communities under a not for profit mission in a in a pretty challenging environment, Northern, Northern California, um, in our case, almost three and a half million patients living in communities that are extremely diverse, or extremely complex in terms of their histories and, and, and ongoing dynamics, a singular system that is, is an open system from a, from a physician perspective and also from a patient perspective. We, we take care of more uh, fee-for-service Medicare and and, and, and Medi-Cal patients. So within that, you can think of the elderly and the indigent than, than any other system in Northern California. And yet we're, we're doing so in an environment that is replete with challenges from an economic perspective, from a regulatory perspective. You know, cost pressures are intense everywhere. They are especially intense in the environment in which mm-hmm. um, we're, we're doing business. So and not a, uh, a non competitive area either. I mean, you have no, certainly is not. I mean, where I, I think Northern Californians are blessed with with lots of choices, mm-hmm. um, extending from not for profit community care up through, you know, major academic missions that are also involved in healthcare delivery. From a Sutter perspective, I'll tell you, uh, you're quite right to point out to the fact that point out the fact that Sutter's, you know, healthcare roots go back over 100 years in Northern California. But it's a hundred years in different places in Sacramento and San Francisco and lots of places in between. And the, the setter that we know today has been a setter that has been built over time mm-hmm. through a series of, uh, of, of not just economic and structural mergers, but, but very, very noble attempts at cultural mergers. And, you know, this is, 
this is something that is important to bear in mind. You mentioned physicians. I want to I want to say that physicians are, you know, critical partners, but in many regards, I, I, I see them also as customers. Physicians have choices, whether they be an independent practice or they be in mm-hmm. foundational line group practice, they have choices as to what system or what systems they can align with. And so the, the importance that I think Sutter needs to place on recognizing that our, our product is something that we deliver through a medium, and it's a medium that is fundamentally based in human relationships. And those human relationships are between caregiving teams led by physicians and patients and their families and the communities they come out of. Absolutely. And we have to be very, very mindful of what everybody's role is so that we can harmonize those roles. If, if physicians are delivering care to patients through those relationships, then... Sutter's role is to help to enable those relationships to flourish, to help that care to be delivered in a way that really uh, allows us to reach a a level of scaled compassion, if I could use that term, Mm -hmm. um, and and satisfaction that that is an improvement, a net improvement over what healthcare has been. And again, I get back to the themes of looking for us to align around and, and create incentive alignment around performing together rather than merely producing together. So I I, I think, you know, what what you're pointing to is the core cultural challenge, at least for our system and in our part of the world. But but here's here's the good news on this. And and I'll 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 maybe end my response to your question in this point on this point. You know, we could be worried or, or, or scratch our heads and, and be paralyzed by angst around, you know, the, the enormity of the challenge and the complexity of practicing in an environment, which is, is, is what I described Northern California as. On the other hand, we could also see this as an immense opportunity sure. for us to take on board really caring for a population that, although it's, let's call it three and a half million, at least from a Sutter footprint perspective, those three and a half million people look um, and feel a lot like the rest of the United States populace. The level mm-hmm. of, of, of complexity culturally, the level of disparities in, in, in income and access, the, the rural versus urban, the, you know, choose any spectrum of, mm-hmm. of, of healthcare demographics or healthcare uh, clinical and business strategy, and you will find that that what Sutter is facing and what Sutter is taking on, it is something that has potential to really speak to some solution building for the rest of the nation system, because that's how complex and diverse our environment is. Ben, I, I know you're thinking about a lot of things, so please go ahead. Yeah, so uh, my question kind of comes through the lens of performance improvement and the and the Baldridge, Conrad. I was really intrigued with what you were talking about with human factor resilience and focusing on compassion and um, really the performance factors as close to the provider patient interface as possible, kind of that's where the moment of truth is. And again, being a process guy, a couple of the questions I have are, what are the implications for systems when you start there and work backwards? Like you said, you're looking at existing structures is just really assets, right? And they need to be reconformed uh, essentially to fulfilling the value that you're delivering to customers across a much broader, 
you know, clinical structure than we were pre-COVID, right? Which was largely acute acute care centric. So there are three things that that came to mind, and I'm just wondering if you could comment on those. One is the orientation of leaders to more of a servant leader mentality, right? Almost an inverted pyramid where the patient and consumer is at the top, and those that are driving the moments of truth are are the focus of attention as opposed to driving mandates down from senior leadership. Sure. So that was number one. The, num- the, the second one is something that we're hearing uh, in the tech side, which is composable solutions. In other words, instead of having rigid structural solutions that are you know, clinical documentation and billing and so forth, that really the technology has to adapt to become composable to what the organization is trying to accomplish. And then the third, that comes to mind is this whole notion of sort of access and orchestration, right? In other words, if patients are coming into Sutter from whatever portal, how do you make sure they get to the right place? Like if it's a cardiac patient, do they actually need to be admitted or, or should they, could they see someone in their office or, or a, you know, a service line cath lab in a, in a lower cost, higher quality, you know, better experience type of environment? And how do you know what those assets are and then be able to orchestrate that to the best effect of the, of the patient and consumer, including their follow-up on their pop health needs should they have you know, social determinative health kind of issues? So I know that's a lot, but maybe just to summarize, as you're thinking through that human factor, provider, consumer, moment of truth thing, and starting with performance and working backwards, what are your thoughts on kind of those three things, the, the shift in leadership, the servant leadership, the shift from, from highly structured IT to more composable solutions, and the notion of sort of real-time access and orchestration of demand to capacity within the enterprise? You're right. There is a lot there. And I, I think in follow-up to whatever themes I, I invoke now, um, I'm, I'm happy to go, to go deeper, yeah. as, as you all wish. But I, I think you've, you know, as has been true of this entire conversation, you've, you've touched on some, some really um, resonant themes. Let me say this. One of the legacies, one of the blessings, if you can use that term, right? One of the blessings of the pandemic has been to sort of open up the hood and, and let us look at what the real engine that drives mm-hmm. satisfying, effective healthcare looks like. And that engine is is an engine that remains profoundly human, despite the fact that there is an absolute opportunity as well as a need for us to take digital tool development, which is so much a part of the of of, of the cultural moment that we've been living through. And, and you know, I'm in Northern California and, and come from the Bay Area, so mm-hmm, the, right. the Silicon Valley zeitgeist is is not one that you can escape here very easily. <laughs> I don't think you can escape it anywhere now. But the, the point is, how do you utilize digital tool development and application to actually improve the humanization of healthcare service right. and delivery rather than detract from it? Which, which is, I mean, we're wrestling with this societally and culturally in a lot of other areas. But, you know, healthcare and education are the two that I have mm-hmm. sort of, that, that win my heart and soul every day. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and so what I would say is this, um, you, you know, you invoked some, some, some principles around process improvement. And, and, and I would say whether you're talking 
you know, lo looking at the problems through the lens of, of the, you know, lean methodologies, or you're looking at it through the lens of, you know, human centric design, or you're looking at it through the lens of the scientific method. Um, the fact of the matter is there's a, there's a, a convergence of viewpoints there coming from mm -hmm. all of those perspectives, because mm -hmm. all of those perspectives are fundamentally focused on improvement science and improvement art. And it is both improvement mm -hmm. is a craft. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think what all of those um, disciplines and there are sub disciplines within each of those, what, what they all share in common is a recognition that, You've got to, whether you're going to use the word Gemba or you're going to use the word, you know, uh, you're going to invoke sort of the, the, the use of, 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 of the human agency uh, mm -hmm. that's involved in any collective endeavor, or you're going to focus on it from the perspective of getting meaningful data and, mm -hmm. and, and in interpretations thereof. The fact of the matter is, is you've got to be out in the front line. You've got to be in the mess. You can't be looking at it from either an ivory tower or, frankly, a right. corporate boardroom perspective. And so one of the key elements in how we move from old normal to new normal, I hope, will be a more thoughtful reflection and a more vibrant conversation that we can collectively have around what is it about healthcare that needs to be run, if you will, from a, a central perspective, if we're talking about systems, because there is compelling value um, and accessible, meaningful scale by running it that way. Mm -hmm. And how does that need to interplay with what parts of healthcare need to be run on a more local and customized basis? Right. Because really the highest level of not production, but performance, getting back to that theme, you'll, you'll notice I'm pretty obsessively okay. devoted to it because that level of performance really requires something that's a bit more to bespoke. So think about, for example, regionalization to drive to more effective volume performance relationships in rarefied tertiary and quaternary skills sets and, and subspecialty or specialty care versus primary care. Primary care in a very much disrupted form, meaning primary care that is still humanistic, local, and bespoke, but, but team-based, and often multidisciplinary team-based. To recognize that our physicians, we talk a lot about burnout, we talk about a lot, a lot about the need to do things for burnout, and then on a parallel channel, we often talk about how we need to be patient-centric. I think the key here is that lots and lots and lots of sources of credible data show us that the two are so fundamentally and inextricably intertwined that we really ought to be focusing on not just doctors and not just patients, but frankly, the relationship between the two. It's this relationship centricity that I think we need to call for. It's not about me or you, it's about the us principle in healthcare. Frankly, I think the same is true for education. So my, my sense around this is that if you take something like digital tool development and application, or you take something about you know, IS or IT, that is the same conversation for me. Yeah. We keep thinking about digital or IT from a clinical care delivery and a business perspective as sort of off on their own island, as though we were all inhabitants of an island archipelago society. And, and, and that's just not true. I mean, IT and digital are not sort of adjuncts to care. They are often the care. Or they're mm -hmm. certainly so close to the care that they need to be accessible and, and show up meaningfully for both caregivers and care receivers 
in, in the local environment. Yes, there's all kinds of aspects of the infrastructure management and, and innovation efforts that need to be run to scale and that therefore have to map to a centrally driven vision uh, and, and strategic set of formulations. But it has to be less dichotomous than it is right now. And, and you know, again, healthcare is, is, is late to this conversation in many respects. I, I remember a couple, three months ago reading a, an opinion piece put in by an IT leader in, in uh, tech business sector talking about how, uh, you know, he, I think he was being hyperbolic to make the point we should abolish the IT department. I don't think he meant we need to abolish the IT department. What he meant is we need to have a more distributed model that exists or coexists in a central, uh, central uh, you know, scale planning effort model. So it looks a lot more like an ecosystem with niches being subserved in the way that they need to be, rather than, again, to use your terminology, a, a top-down approach. And I think that lean mindset methodology-based techniques, human-centric design techniques, and scientific uh, system health team, team health system science approaches will all need to be harmonized in order to drive improvement in that direction. But that's really the direction we've got to go. So Conrad, um, you know, this has been a fascinating conversation as I knew it would. And, you know, we'll be having more conversations around these themes. Uh, hopefully you'll be able to potentially join us again. I think the the, the central focus of humanism and thinking about why we're really doing all this work and how all these different pieces, parts integrate one to another to, at the end of the day, try to help patients and, uh, you know, get rid of suffering and, and all the things that I think you've been talking about um, are really important topics. So, you know, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a great conversation and uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk again soon. Thanks again, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again at the next podcast.